Hello, and welcome to the Opening Range Podcast by the PAX Group, where real traders trade real strategy. Since 1998, PAX has been trading the Opening Range Breakout, and his experiences have shown him all the ups and downs a trader can experience. As trading evolved from the pits to the screen, PAX evolved with it. Managing his positions with capital preservation at their core remains the most important aspect of his long and successful career. PAX's daily plan and mentorship have helped thousands achieve their goals in becoming long-term profitable traders. To find out more, subscribe, follow, and like the show. Follow PAX on your favorite social media channels by searching for The PAX Group or PAXTRADER777. And to receive PAX's trade plan and master the opening range breakout, become a member at thepaxgroup.org. This is The PAX Group, where nobody fights alone. Now, 1999, people are going to make the similarities because, of course, Greenspan was pumping massive amounts of liquidity into the market to head off any uh, Y2K disruptions, okay? And a lot of people attribute the last part of the dot-com bubble to that as well as to the bailout, or, or I'm sorry, bailout is probably the wrong word, <laughs> the preventing of what Greenspan felt was a uh, systemic uh, financial event if he let long-term capital go. It was probably major mistake of Greenspan's regime number four, but it was maybe his biggest mistake because he he truly didn't understand how all this worked, you know, and there, with the leveraging and the shadow banking, he, he didn't, and he panicked, but he felt he could panic and his... In 2007, I was on a radio, on a Bloomberg interview with Kathleen Hayes, and I said the difference between what was starting to develop in 2007 and what happened in 1998 with long-term capital is that Greenspan could get the 14 major players who were involved in it, get them in a room, and tell them what they were going to do to extricate themselves and to resolve the situation besides the Fed cutting rates and pumping money into the system. In 2007, I said the risks had been, by Greenspan's design, by the way, because Greenspan was a big believer that derivatives were great in um, disseminating risks into a lot of hands, therefore avoiding the uh, aggregation of money and creating a systemic risk. Okay, so we know how right he was about that, zero, and Bernanke walked right in his shoes and knew zero about that too. But that's what Greenspan had said. But I said on Kathleen A's, I said, you'd have to rent the Rose Bowl out to get all the people who are at risk. I remember that so, line. Uh, yeah, so Jerry C called me. I was walking out of the studio. I was living in New York. I was working with Solaris Capital at the time. And I'm walking back to work and my cell phone rings and it's Jerry and you know Jerry. Um, <laughs> uh, and he says, it's the greatest line I ever heard. I, he was laughing. He, he said, I can't stop laughing. I said, I know you think it's funny, but it ha- it's absolutely true. There's no, you can't deal with this event whatsoever like that. And it, it bore out. So we, we knew that. So this makes, this is not, are the valuations a stretch? Not a chance. Because I, I don't even know what was the NASDAQ. The PE on the NASDAQ, I think, was 70 to 1. So we're not there. Yes, we're getting it all done in an aggregation. You know, what did, what did I see that uh, 50% of the gain last year was 
Apple and Microsoft. Uh, and if you put the whole things you know, in there, uh, it's, it's a great percentage of the move last year. So in that way, but these companies are actually making real money. You know, there's no doubt Amazon's making money. Apple's making money. Uh, Netflix, I'm not sure about. Um, uh, Google certainly making money. Uh, Facebook is making money. So there is definitely money being made. And that makes it somewhat different. But I, I think that valuations are stretched. And that's why I've made, you know, 2020 to me is a relative, you know, if you're going to do relative valuations, uh, I, I think the U.S. is the worst place of a lot of markets. Now, as I talked with, you know, the guys who I sit with yesterday, and they, they don't really know much about currencies, um, but they're learning. And one guy uh, presented a, a really nice presentation on, uh, on currency valuations. And it was a piece of work that John Murphy had been out there putting, it was a YouTube, and anybody could go access it. And John Murphy's a hell of a good technician. So, you know, I, so I gave the, uh, the presentation was, was really good because it followed that. And for a lot of people who don't know, it's a good way to look at it. But these are, there's nothing in Murphy's work that we haven't discussed in this room for the last year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not, that's not to pat ourselves. It's just if you're traders, this is what you're paying attention to. So can this market, can global equities keep going? Yes. With a weakening dollar, as we've talked about, aid that? Yes, I think that'll be, that'll at least keep the U.S. Uh, market uh, maybe, you know, steady to higher, a little bit higher for the year, but I don't think the U.S. market's going to outperform in any way, shape, or form. Okay, and, and let's make, let's ask ourselves and pose ourselves this question. My assumption this year is that the Fed does nothing. If the Fed does something, it's not good, gentlemen, uh-uh. because they either have to raise rates because they're wrong on inflation, and you've heard their conversations about inflation, by the way, uh, and they're going to let it run hotter uh, than longer because in their minds, you can hear the wheels sp- spinning. They're going to smooth out and get an aggregate ag- average to that 2%, which is just such a ridiculous concept anyway. But you know, again, uh, Hyman Roth, you know, Michael, this is a business we've chosen, so we're stuck to deal with it, uh, and and we can't do anything else. That's just real. That's the reality we have. Okay, so uh, we, if the Fed is forced to raise rates, it's because they're getting worried about inflation. If they have to cut rates, there's something else going on in the system that will not be positive. I, I think. You know, as we've talked again, this the Fed being off by a factor of seven, that's, I know, bad math, but I'm going to use it anyway, because they were looking for four rate rises in their predictions for 2019. They actually cut rates three times. So that's that's quite a miss as far as I'm concerned. If you and I missed that badly and held that position all year, we've been broke. Of course, they, they do have that proverbial printing press so they don't go broke. Um, so so it, it's, I, I, I see where people are going because you're getting a little parabolic here. But 
I'll also say this, and I had this conversation with, with a guy this morning. I said, watch that S&P bond spread that we love so mm-hmm. much. Okay. And again, we talked about this in our last conversation. You go back to October 3rd, when it made its all-time high on 2018 and corrected dramatically. Now, on, two, on October 3rd of 2017 is when it took out the high. Okay, this is, this is a perfect conversation. The, high, the previous high on the S&P bond, and it's just a simple computation. It's the S&P divided by, it's the S&P future divided by the bond future. And that high was made when, Matt? The previous high. The 2007, wasn't it? Or eight? Nope. Nope. December 1999. No shit, really. You're kidding me. That's No, and and I, I put out that blog when we were approaching it in 2017, talking about that, here we go. If we take this out, we're going to get an upside move. And you oh. can go, fi- you can go find that blog. It's in the archives. And it said, if we take out, it was 1831 on that cross right now that, as I call it cross, it's, I'm just using, it's just the language. It's at 2088. Yeah. But when it took that out, it went on a straight run to uh, twenty one eighteen, I believe, was the was the all time high. I might be off a little bit. It's hard on this chart. Now I'm looking at so, twenty one eighteen. I think. Yeah, and it, so it had a thirty percent straight up move, which we discussed when it finally took it out. I said that's that's a very 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 uh, aggressive move, and we and I, we talked about it. I remember talking about it. Judd put out pieces about it, and it Let corrected me- quite a bit. Let me let me just let me yeah. back up real quick just to make sure I've got it. Okay. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, two thousand, and I remember I I clearly remember uh, taking out the old high of, uh, of October third, two thousand eighteen. I, I mean clearly, and um, and and shorting that level in in the S and P by the way at twenty nine forty four. Um, all right. So October third, two thousand seventeen, we took out the high made back in December of ninety nine. Yep, and that high was sixteen thirty-one. That's what I was going to ask. Thank you. And 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 on September twenty-seventh, which is the day I wrote that blog of two of two thousand seventeen, that was the quarter close, and we closed above it. And I said, okay, now you now you have something because that that high had held basically for eighteen years. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's, that, okay. That, that's 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 great. This is great. Thank you. I I cannot do this any better for anybody. 